Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're going to dive right into it. Matthew chapter 7. Everyone give Devin a hand. Just Devin Parsons and the whole team back there. I don't know if I have a title screen. If I don't, it's my fault. Just throwing that out there. Uh, This was a labor of love. Oh, there we go. You got to it a little early, but that's okay. That's the title of my message. Weapons of mass production. Thank you. Um, And, uh, and, okay, well, now that really wrecked my whole message. Now I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to preach it anymore. Shoot, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's go into Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 15, this is what it says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Are we getting the math here? Good. Verse 19. So every tree, this is interesting, so that every tree that does not produce fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Now, it's funny, um, one of the world's famous scriptures, by world's famous, I mean people who aren't uh, Christians, uh, they know a scripture in the Bible that they, well, they think it's in the Bible, and they're quoting, actually, they're quoting Matthew 17, and you hear them say, only God can judge me. You know, like the Bible says, only God can judge me. Actually, the Bible doesn't say that, first of all. They're quoting, they're misquoting Matthew 7 when he says, judge, lest you be judged, right? But I just think it's important to to say he actually does say you can identify fruit by its actions. The actions, the way that you act, the things that you do, the things that come out of your mouth, the way that you function is in fact what locates your identity. All right, so here's the thing though. I feel like as Christians, this verse, we miss it. And, and, And I want to kind of preface something real quickly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Christian culture at large. So when I say we, I'm not talking about Awakened Church. I might be talking to you. If it makes you uncomfortable, I might be talking to, to you. Ouch. Alex, Pastor Alex. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not pointing anybody out, but I do think that by and large, Christian culture has misunderstood what Jesus was trying to say. Okay, so I, I think that oftentimes we look at this, we're like, okay, ju- you know, it's, it's my fruit that matters. It's my fruit, okay? And so what we do is we act like a Christian. We act like a Christian. And I really, our, our actions, so let me give you a, a, paint a different picture of what Adria's story was that unfortunately is more true, uh, is true more often than what her story was. What you get a lot of is Christians going out to lunch, talking about 
church stuff, talking about God, then being upset with the waitress and writing a zero on the tip and walking out. Well, we talked about Jesus. We just didn't act like him. Right? We had the, what would Jesus do bumper sticker on our car. We had the God's gym shirt on. Like we were doing the Christian thing. We just don't look anything like him. We said, God bless you. We wrote, we, we gave like a barely 10% tip and wrote the, vibe, the, the scripture verse. And she looked at it and she went, what a freaking jerk. The problem is, is that by and large, that's what the world sees. And then we wonder why when we say, hey, you should come to my church, they go, no, thank you. I've seen what you're like and you act like a Christian, but you're really not acting like a Christian. Right? And then and the other thing that we do is we just kind of suck at life. This is the other thing, I'm just gonna, is it okay, John Day? I'm just gonna vent about Christian culture for a second. We just suck at life, we don't win. We just don't win. We talk about victory in Christ, we talk about how we serve this great high king and yet we suck at our job. And we say things like, oh, I don't need the promotion, all I need is Jesus. I'm telling you, this is what I'm trying to say. This is when, when Adrian, when you said what you said, I said, okay, God is on this. Because I truly believe that it's on that type of action that is gonna bring revival to a city that has seen the Christian thing over and over and over and over again, and yet there's no actual action or power or anything on it that's worth having, you know what I'm saying? All right. Or we, we are winners, we are excellent, but we don't know how to reconcile what that looks like in our workplace, and so we separate it completely. And so we have our work life where we show up, where we're excellent, where we're, we're a leader, we're doing the thing, and then we go, but, but we never blend the two worlds because we don't know what it looks like. Because all we've seen is the model where you show up at church and pass everybody out a book of John. <laughs> How you doing, Blessed and High Favorite? Here's the book of John. <laughs> and they're like, listen, I'm not making fun of evangelism. Trust me. I'm just saying, sometimes we evangelize, but our life stinks. Or we don't evangelize because we don't know what it looks like, so we compartmentalize our life in such a way that the two worlds can never come together. And so much to some, at some point where we're actually nervous that if they did find out that we were Christians, that they we would be worried about how we treated the people around us because we treat them poorly, we don't treat them right. All right. Hopefully, I'm not stepping on too many toes. I'm just talking about what makes us different, okay? I'm just talking about what makes us different. So I want to paint a different picture of what this, what this, what Jesus is really trying to communicate. What does it look like to live this life out? What does it look like to be the type of Christian that Jesus said, look, they've got fruit on their life. What does that look like? So 
Let's play that video. Let's go. Is it better to be feared or respected? And I say, is it too much to ask for both? With that in mind, I humbly present the crown jewel of Stark Industries Freedom Line. It's the first missile system to incorporate our proprietary repulsor technology. They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer the weapon you only have to fire once. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Find an excuse to let one of these off the chain, and I personally guarantee you the bad guys won't even want to come out of their caves. Consideration the Jericho. Come on. I feel bad. John John Lang, I was talking to John Lang and, and Rachel about about this, and he made me his own clip. And if the way that my message ended up getting formed, I just this one was the one, the right one. I'm sorry, John. He's a busy day. He was packing up his house and he made me a clip. I didn't use it. I apologize. Um, here's the thing. Tony Stark. Ooh. What makes Tony Stark so cool? What makes Tony Stark a guy who gets to be a part of the Avengers? Right? Tony Stark doesn't have any superpower. He didn't get bit by a spider, right? He didn't get some like ooze that gave him some sort of cool superpower. He, he was sick, right? What made Tony Stark, Tony Stark was that he was rich. Tony Stark was filthy rich. I was going to show a picture of his house in Malibu, but you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. The big house in the show, and it's like super cool, and he's got the cave, and like it's epic. He's got the whole like, what makes Tony Stark Tony Stark is that he's rich and he's influential, and, he used, and he's smart. He used those things to actually create some sort of super technology to save his life, which made him super powerful, superhuman, but it's, that's the fruit of Tony Stark. What made Tony Stark Tony Stark was that he was just rich and influential. So what am I trying to say? Do you have to be rich and influential? Yes, you do. <laughs> And if you're not, then you should just go home. No, I'm not saying that. Listen, I'm not rich. Rich Bogle's rich, isn't he? Yeah. I want to I wanna mirror, uh, with Tony Stark, I want to look at Nehemiah. Because there's some things about Nehemiah that I think we can point to. And I think if, if Nehemiah, you know, the closest character that I could get from, you know, from Nehemiah is, is Tony Stark. And so we're not going to read through all of Nehemiah. Uh, I think that the media team is ready to do that, but 
you know, I'm not going to make us do that. But I do want to, I do want you, if you've not been, you know, if you've not read that book recently, uh, your homework is to go and read the whole book of Nehemiah. It's not very long. It'll take you this, just do it this week. Do it on top of your, I know you're all doing the reading plan, you know, read Bible in a year. Do it in addition. Um, but make sure, I want you to read Nehemiah because there's some really, really, really good gold nuggets uh, in there. But the thing, about gold, uh, the thing about Nehemiah, two things. Well, there's several things, actually. Uh, but a few things that I want to point out tonight is, first of all, Nehemiah, um, he was the cupbearer to the king, right? He was the cupbearer to the king. Now, some, some, some context here, if you're not familiar. Israel has been, they're exiled, right? There's a small remnant left in, in Israel, and Nehemiah is in Persia. He is serving the king of Persia, right? And, and King Nebuchadnezzar, or not King Nebuchadnezzar, um, Xerxes, excuse me. And he's the cupbearer to the king. Now, that is, you don't just become the cupbearer to the king, right? That's something that he would have had to shown himself faithful, excellent, established. It was because of his leadership. It was because of who, how he carried himself that he was promoted to the cupbearer. Now, the thing that is interesting is he's the cupbearer to an enemy king. This is not a godly king. This is not a good king. This is not somebody that you go, yes, I get to work for the enemy king, this is not exciting, right? However, and here's the thing, is that oftentimes, and I hear this a lot in Christian world, it's, you know, oh, well, my boss just isn't godly. So I just can't really thrive here. Oh, well, you know, the government is just corrupt, so I just can't. It's really what we're doing is we're taking a bad thing and then we're coming under it as victims. Some of you like it. Some of you are like, oh, I'm a victim. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> Nehemiah because of his excellence, because of his leadership, because of his hard work, because of his execution, because of the fruit on his life, the evil king Xerxes raised him up to a place of authority, a place where he was the, come, the, 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 the king's cupbearer. The Bible says that these, his brother and some friends came and he says, I was serving the king his wine. He's close to the king. He has influence to the king. And so what happens is his brother says, hey, uh, things are not looking good back home. And he goes, what are you talking about? They built the temple. Things are going back to normal. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. The walls have all come down. The walls have been destroyed and the city is in ruin. The walls are destroyed and the city is in ruin and Nehemiah is distraught. He's crying, he's mourning, he, he's upset because he's feeling for his people. And so he fasts and he prays and he prays and he says, God, would you give me favor with the king? This is in October. Then he goes through the winter into spring. So is there some waiting there? There's some preparation 
there. He doesn't rush into something. He prays and he waits on the Lord and he, and he, and he waits for a right time. And when the time is right, he comes to the king. And, he, and the Bible says that, that Nehemiah is, he looks sad. He looks sad. And the king notices that he looks sad, which tells you that he doesn't normally look sad. Which tells you that if you want to be a person of influence, if you want to be some play, a person of leadership, if you want to be somebody who's close to the king, that you better smile. You better smile. You know, Rex Crane blew the lid off this place last week, didn't he? Oh my gosh. So a couple things about Rex Crane that uh, some of you might know and some of you might not, but... Um, I got to spend some time with Rex uh, last week. I was his driver, okay? And Rex had met, um, this is not my notes, so it's whatever. Met, he, had, he had met some people and they wanted to get lunch. And he said, hey, Vince, why don't you come to lunch with us? Uh, and so I was like, oh, okay. So I ate lunch with Rex and we hung out. And here's the thing that I noticed about Rex Crane. He smiled at everybody. If we were walking down the hotel lobby and there was somebody who, there was, who was, you know, maybe there were, uh, uh, a, uh, you know, in the, the maid staff, you know what he would do? He'd look at her and he'd go, oh, hey. He'd give him a big, huge smile. He'd say, you look amazing. You're the best. You're so awesome. And you'd see them start to blush and get excited. And, be, and next thing you know, he's hugging them and he's giving them money. And he's just, and, and, and they're, you see their, whole, their countenance is changing. Why? Because he's bringing life into the room. And I got, it got me thinking, wow, the way that we carry ourselves matters. Nehemiah was placed at the place of influence because he carried himself in a way that he was, he, was then, he was then promoted. He was leveled up. I think sometimes as Christians, we walk around and it looks like our puppy just got killed every single day. And God is saying, hey, I'm, my, my, come on. Like, the Bible says that his, he says, may his countenance shine upon you. You are blessed. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. You're his child. You're royalty. Why don't you act like it? And the people around you, the waitress that doesn't do a good job, she is still loved by the Father, and God is working, and are we ready to act in a way that would show Jesus? Don't worry, I've only got 10 more minutes. Some of you are like, geez, Vince. <laughs> I'm passionate about this because I think that God wants to bring a, a, a revival. He's bringing a revival. Revival is here. But what God is doing in this city is not confined to a Wednesday and a Sunday. You need to understand it. Wednesdays and Sundays are going to be overflowing. Why? Because of what all of us do. See, the, the, the title of my, wep of, my, of my message is Weapons of Mass Production. Weapons of Mass Production, that you and I are to be weapons of mass production. That when we go out into the world, we're producing fruit. We're, we're bringing the light of Jesus into every situation, into our work, into our family, into our schools, into every, in every sphere of life. And we're, we're weapons that God is using to bring production to a dysfunctional city. So, 
Nehemiah is called to, God calls him to build the, the walls. Now this is interesting because Zerubbabel and Ezra have, have already re, have rebuilt the temple. The temple is, is built, but the word, the, the, the news that, that Nehemiah's brother gave was that the city is still in dysfunction and in disorder because the walls have been torn down and they're on fire. Now the temple represents the holy right? This is the church. This is the, the sacred ground. This is where the presence of God is to rest. This is, this is the Sunday morning and the Wednesday night experience. It's important. We don't neglect it, but that's what was, but the thing was, was the wall, which represents the secular thing, it was broken. And because it was broken, the whole city was in dysfunction. Church, you need to understand that if we don't get this right, if we only play church on Sunday and we don't understand that we're to go out into the world and be weapons of mass production that this city will stay in dysfunction, it'll stay broken because our walls will be torn down. It's when we get out and we, and we show up because God called Nehemiah to build the wall. I think we've lost a lot of good Christians to just go and, hey, listen, I need to be very clear. Folks in DNA and you ministry leaders are going to get real mad at me if I'm not careful. Listen, you gotta serve at church. That's really important, okay? But you can't use serving as church, at church to be the thing that you do. In fact, it, when, when it goes through and it talks about all of these groups who are building the wall, it talks about the Levites building the wall. It talks about all of these tribes from all of these people, from all of these different spheres of life. They're all building the wall together. This is, we've all got to get out there and work. We've all got to get out there and do our jobs. This should be exciting because most of us, 98% of us will not be up here holding a microphone. Right? And if we think that the only way that we can minister is by preaching or leading worship or go by going on a mission, guess what? If going on a mission trip is amazing, but that's what I love about the Contreras is they're going on mission trips, but guess what? They're also paying for them. Listen, sometimes you're in a spot where you gotta raise some money for a missions trip, but I'm telling you, I'd like to be the church. I'd like to be the person that pays for other people to go on missions trips, that funds things. Listen, this is, what, this, is what, this, this is where it all comes together. I'm sick of a weak church begging for money because nobody's out building the wall. Is this too harsh? We talk about being the hands and feet of Christ, but the problem is, is that the church has restricted that, what that looks like to handing out tracts in downtown, and that's just not all that it is. It's being a blessing. It's lighting up somebody with compliments and smiles. It's making people feel better about themselves because they were around you. It's, all right, I gotta keep going. It's not all about money, but money's important. The reality is, is that money equals production, right? My good friend, Avery, knows all about this. He's producing, right? And he's, he's, he's selling 
sneakers. And in order for his business to be successful, what does he have to do? He's got to put money into his business. The more money he puts into the business, the more money comes out of his business, right? Right? My friend Sean, you understand this. If you want to have a successful business, you got to put money into your business so that your business can make more money for you, right? This is how this thing works. And if you don't have any money, then your business is not going to go very well, and you also won't have very much influence. Okay? Now, again, I'm not saying, oh, I don't have any money, Vince, so that means that I'm a loser. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we've got to have a right mindset around money as a church, we have to understand this thing right so that we have a healthy relationship with money because if we think that money is the root of all evil, then we will be poor. And we have to go back to the Bible and realize that it doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. This is why we love God and we use money. We love God, and we use money. When we understand that correctly, listen, I'm telling you, if it hasn't happened, it's gonna happen. You're gonna have friends, they're gonna tell you that Awakened Church just wants your money, or this is all about money, 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 money. No, we're about influence. We're about influence. Go to, uh, uh, Devin, do you have Nehemiah 5.16? Nehemiah 5.16, I want to show you this. He's going to have to search. I just told him to have the whole thing ready, so I don't know how, how fast it's. Literally, I thought about just reading the entire book to you, but I decided that wasn't going to work. He says, I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. Keep going. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table besides all the visitors from other lands. My provision, the provisions I paid, I paid for each day included an ox, six choice sheep, a, of, oh, this is big, it's a big, six choice sheep or goats and a large number of poultry and every 10 days we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine, amen, yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried heavy burdens. He was generous. He fed 150 people regularly plus everybody else. He was handing out wine and goats and ox. What? How do you do this if you don't have any money? So, we have to understand that money equals production, and if you're in a spot where money's tight, don't feel bad about it. It's not about how much money you have. It's about a mindset around money that if, if you get it right, you, it'll shift everything. It'll shift everything for you. Okay, I got, I got to wrap this up. So, one more thing is, uh, is um, you got to have fun. We gotta have fun. And what, really what I'm talking about is if we're gonna be weapons of mass production, right? What I'm saying is that we've gotta, we've gotta hold ourselves at a, at a high bar. Not just, not just, yes, when it comes to morality, but not just morality, but also how excellent are we, right? How good at our job are we, right? How do we show up every day ready to execute, ready to serve, ready to be there, ready to solve a problem, This matters. It's how we carry influence. 
We've got to understand a right thinking around money, okay? And then we got to have fun. We got to have fun. Nehemiah 8.10. Let me throw it up on the screen. It says this. And Nehemiah continued. This is afterwards the, the wall is built. They built it in 52 days. They built the wall in 52 days, which is one more thing. It's not on my notes, but I'm just here to tell you, God will give you supernatural ability in a secular space, not just in a holy space. Through all of the opposition, through all of the difficulties, it was impossible. They never thought it would happen, but he built the wall in 52 days. It was a supernatural move of God in a secular space, not in a holy space. Then, after it's all said and done, and, the, and, and what's happening is they're reading the book of the law, and they're realizing, oh my gosh, we've been so horrible. We've messed all of this up. We're, and, and this is what he says, and Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What am I trying to say? I'm saying have some fun. If you invite your friends to a church function, it better be fun. If it's not fun, then don't invite them. I'm serious. People should show up to your home and they should be like, that was the best party I've ever been to. That was a church party? Yeah, because at a church we have fun. Why? Because our God is a fun God, a good God, a God of love and joy and peace. He's a good, let's get excited. Let's have a feast. Let's have some cake and ice cream and maybe even a wine. Come on, somebody. It's like John Day's Connect Group. This is how we, this is, this is, this is, this is what God's doing in our city, guys. I'm just here to tell you, and I could be wrong. Pastor Matt was here. I, I would ask for his permission to say this, but I'm gonna have to ask for forgiveness. But I think he, I think he would agree. What's gonna change this city isn't necessarily Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Those are a big part of it. what's going to change this city is when all of us understand our role to be weapons of mass production to go out there and to win to be life to be in, to be encouraging to be influential maybe you maybe you maybe you're like well Vince you know I I, I work this job and I, I you know my I, I'm not I'm not hurting but I, I definitely am not rich I'm definitely not Tony Stark and so so does that mean no listen it's not about how much money you have. It's how you see it. Yes. It's how you see it. Why does that matter? Because if you have a poverty mindset or a mindset that says that money is evil, then what will happen is, is, is you'll, you'll, you'll repel it. People that have money are going to be like, oh, I, don't, I feel judged when I'm around you. It's not, this isn't what God would have for us. Right? God wants us to be influential. He wants us to stand out. He wants to be sharp. He wants us to... All right. 
I gotta end it. I'm just gonna end on this. Galatians 5.22. This is the most practical way I can give it to you. And a lot of us are familiar with this verse. I'm gonna unpack it in just a few minutes. Galatians 5.22 says, I don't think I gave this one to you, Devin. I'm sorry. Maybe I did, but if I didn't, I apologize. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And I think a lot of times this, this is how we pair that verse. Jesus says, you'll, you'll, you, you can identify them by their fruit. And then we go, yeah, because of our love and our joy and our peace and our patience and our kindness. We've even got the sticker on our car and the shirt. Yay. But I wanna, I wanna read this to you and I want, you to, I want this to challenge us in, the, in a way to really operate in this. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is God in us. This is the evidence of Him in us, as Paul is talking about. Love compels, compels us to treat everybody like a 10. Love compels us to treat everybody like a 10. Can I just tell you this convicts me? This convicts me. This is what I watched Rex Crane do. When we, when we, when we're, we get excited, right? Oh, Rex Crane is coming. We got 280 people here. You know, I'm glad that we got some people here tonight. We don't have 280, but. There's some expectation, right? It's interesting because the same God is here this week as he was last week, right? It's not about Rex Crane, but there is something different about him. Can we just admit it? What though? Is he a superpower? Does he have some sort of super gift? After spending all day with him, to me it was proven that part of that is a lot of what Pastor Alex Greenberg spoke about the other day, being in the anointing. Where's the anointing? Well, it's whatever God is doing, right? Whatever God is doing. And so what is God doing? God is looking at everybody like a 10. He's loving on everybody. He's giving them respect and honor. He's cheerleading them. He's behind them. He's looking at every single person like they're a 10. And so if you and I aren't doing that, then how can we expect to step into an anointing? Joy makes us live a rich, satisfying, fun life. One that people are attracted to. People are not attracted to a stress case. Right? And we've all been there. Right now, my life is a little bit stressful. And if you catch me in a bad moment, I might be a stress, a stress case. And God forgive me because that's not what I'm supposed to be. Because I'm supposed to have the joy of the Lord. When you're around me, I should make you feel calm. I should make you feel at peace. I should have a smile on my face. Patience allows us to give grace to people on their journey. It's okay if somebody else isn't where you're at. Do not judge them. Don't look down at them. Don't make fun of them. Oh, Vince didn't even come to prayer two weeks in a row. Yeah, I'm a, listen, I got big problems right now. 
and I miss coming to prayer. <sighs> but God gives us patience to deal with the coworker that quite honestly we can't handle or the waitress that was rude. Kindness. Everybody should feel better because you're around them. Kindness does not mean that you accept behavior, church. I know it's confusing. In this house, we're kind. Okay. In this, in this house, we treat everybody. I don't even know that. You know the thing, the sign is this house. It's, I hate it. it. Makes me mad. Because they've taken kindness and turned it into something it's never supposed to be. Kindness is not accepting bad behavior. Kindness is just simply treating people with honor and respect just because they're people. Are we kind? Faithfulness. This is what Nehemiah had. He was faithful. Because of his faithfulness, he was elevated. He was trusted to make sure that the king didn't get poisoned. If I were him, I would have poisoned the king. I'm just saying. Can we be trusted? Can we be trusted? Can I just tell you, church, if you're not tithing, you can't be trusted. Gentleness. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Gentleness. This allows us to speak the truth in love. If that last comment wasn't in love, I'm sorry. <laughs> Have patience with me. <laughs> self-control. This is an important one. This one helps us make sure that we don't train wreck everything that we just talked about. <laughs> Have some self-control, right? This is why I love the fact that we get to drink some wine, as long as we have some self-control. Sometimes you don't have self-control, so you can't drink wine. Hopefully God will give you some, then you can, right? Have some self-control when it comes to spending money. Have some self-control when it comes to speaking poorly about to your, to your spouse in an argument, when you really want to say the thing and you're like, you have some self-control. I believe that as we really understand how to operate as weapons of mass production, that when we go out into our communities, when we go out into our spheres, I believe that this world, that this, that this city will be completely transformed by the power and the love of the Almighty Savior because we are acting as His weapons of mass production. Can you stand and let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, God, that everybody in this room, Lord, that we are your weapons of mass production. Lord, that we are going to go out, that we're gonna share your love, your kindness, your goodness, your, your self-control, Lord, that we are gonna go out and be your hands and your feet in a powerful and an effective way. That we're gonna be a light that we're gonna make people laugh, that we're gonna make people feel good, that we're gonna fund the work of the kingdom, that we're gonna bless those around us. And I thank you, Jesus. And right now I give permission 
I give permission. Maybe you're here and you're like, I've wanted to serve God. I just don't know what it looks like because I just don't think I could preach or I don't think I can sing or I want to give you permission in Jesus' name. Go and build the wall. The secular thing is not less than what God called Ezra to and Zerubbabel to was not less than what he called Nehemiah to. They are both callings by God. So I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. Everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.